everyone uh welcome back to another episode of cranked and ranked and today we (laughs) (laughs) i was wondering to do it i'm sorry (laughs) yeah i was wondering which one of us was gonna have to do that i'm glad it wasn't me Um, yes, yeah, so we don't even need an introduction. Uh, I, I think I said it on one of the last episodes that um, I'm not really going to go into who we are because um, you should know if you've been listening. Uh, but my name is Stephen. Uh, uh, my friend here is Eddie Sparks, and we are going to be ranking the uh, discography of the classic thrash metal band, one of the big four. We're talking about Slayer. I'm doing the opposite. Hell yeah. I'm going, I'm going low. <laughs> I'm an understated we, Slayer we're, fan. We're going to need to, we need to, we need to explore like all facets of, of Slayer scream. So I could do like a, like a Slayer, like a tight, tiny little whispery one. That little, that literally, that sounds like the whisper from the beginning of Hello Waits when it comes in. Side <laughs> <laughs> on. Um, cool. So yes, uh, today, today's episode is going to be the bottom six. So we're ranking 12 studio albums by Slayer. And today we're going to be dealing with 12 through seven. So, uh, let's just fucking hop right into it. And as usual, sir, I'm going to let you go first. Um, so hit, hit us with it. What, what you got for number 12? Okay, so in stark contrast to last time, where I absolutely ripped Generation Swine apart, <laughs> um, I couldn't really find a distinctive turd moment in their discography because to me, var- varying changes throughout their career, but when you get a Slayer album, you know what you're in for. But this one I had to put at 12. And I'm going to go with Undisputed Attitude. And okay. It's, it's, you know, it's a hardcore punk covers album. For a 14-track record, it, it, it's very short, clocking in at 33 minutes. But they're punk songs, so generally speaking, they'd be short anyway. Um, but I suppose I put it here but for the same reason that you kind of put um, Unplugged as the lowest Nirvana album, because it's not really a slayer album purely i can appreciate that you know it was kind of a, a nod to their influences but um i struck i also struggled to do a track by track for this one it's like a lot of the tracks sound exactly as you'd expect a slightly punkier incarnation of slayer i i do like richard hung himself that was stuck in my head for for days yeah. <laughs> and um I sp- yeah, I suppose I put this here because it, it, it's not a straight-up Slayer album. And yeah, it's probably the shortest little th- segment I've ever done on an album yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah. um, I, I will uh, bounce off of you with that because that is also my number 12. Um, it, it seems very obvious. I think any Slayer ranking probably has this pretty low because it's... 
it is like you said not a slayer album so if you're really comparing slayer to slayer this is this is just a fun thing that they put out showing some of their old punk influences and um it's got a lot of of uh energy to it it's a very tight yeah tightly produced um album and and yeah except for three tracks it's all cover songs um and i yeah i would say overall it's enjoyable to listen to i remember when it came out i I played it a lot because it was just a fun put it in your car while you're driving kind of album it's Um, definitely a fun album yeah and also um it's one of the rare cases where to me i don't know a whole lot of cover albums that have like a theme it almost seems like covers albums are always kind of all over the place because i guess people's influences are kind of all over the place but um they decided when they recorded this because they all have very uh varied backgrounds and influences but they all decided just to stick to these punk rock and hardcore you know kind of songs so that's yeah. in, that's interesting that they did do that. But I do think even though you're saying that it is a very short album, I do think that they could have cut some of the tracks and made it an EP. Yeah. Um, even the the one Slayer song on it, Gemini, to me is kind of a throwaway track. It's 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 okay. It's like one of those things where, all right, I, I like it because it's a, it's a Slayer track that I didn't hear anywhere else, but it doesn't add anything to the album. And, um, I, I always, I think I always have to bring up and I know that it, it's been brought up by a lot of people that, um, I always get a little bit annoyed. I don't know if annoyed is the right word perturbed, um, at their choice when they covered the song guilty of being white and they ended (laughs) up by saying guilty of being right. And, (laughs) <laughs> that always bugs me. And I read somewhere that they claimed it was tongue in cheek humor, but that I don't understand the humor in that at all. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I think that that one aged like milk. Yeah. That one did. Yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> but to be fair, the original minor threat song that didn't age very well either to me. So <laughs> I I just I give the bad decisions. I, it's on all of their heads because I'm just like, why would you even do that? That literally was a choice to change the word to right, and no explanation whatsoever except for, hey, if yeah. we have any white supremacists in the fan base, um, here's one for you. <laughs> so that yeah, that it's, that it, bums me out when I hear that part. But um, it is what it is, and. I, I don't think you can really talk about it too much more, but yeah. So that so the overall the my feelings are the same as yours. So that's why uh, undisputed attitude comes in here at number twelve. So let's let's move on. Cool. Uh, this one, on the flip side, might might I'm not one hundred one hundred percent sure, but like I feel a little bit dirty putting this one here, but at the same time I. With Slayer, it was it was hard for me to put any one album over certain albums when I got to a certain point in the list. You know, I've I've got my top six. My top six was much easier than my bottom six. So this this next one will be interesting. Okay. Um yeah, I've gone for World Painted Blood. Okay, okay. Num- 
number 11. Um, I will say, um, I didn't dislike it, but it, it pales a little bit to me. I think it could be down to the production. So I'm, I'm just going to go right into it. This, this is where my track-by-track uh, track little expertise came back into it a little bit. Um, okay, it opens like Rain and Blood with like the atmosphere and drums, uh, the, the song specifically, not, not the album, because that one opens with Angel of Death, but <laughs> yeah. it, op- it opens with that atmosphere and the dum dum da kind of thing you know dave lombardo this is the last album with the original lineup um with dave lombardo on drums and uh jeff hanneman um dave this was actually dave's second time around with the band because they kind of he dropped off in the 90s and then came back for christ illusion i think it was yeah and that it's one of those weird times where he came back and left again but yeah, and, I, and I, as far as gonna... I know, he he left both times for the same reason, which is <laughs> yeah. from from all accounts, it's because the band doesn't split things evenly, uh, financially yeah. speaking. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but it seems to be that that's the problem: is that um, uh, some members of Slayer want a bigger piece of the pie, and uh, he's like, "Ah, eh, now nah, I'm out of here." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, like the 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 opening title track world painted blood you know it as an opener it's an awesome song you know it's got some particularly cool sections especially the halftime riff after the octave section i love me some mid-tempo thrash riffs and i also love the solo in this song because it, it really opens up and instead of a flurry of notes just sounding like fucking evil it feels like you're descending in this portal to hell and then it goes into a breakdown where Tom just gets more and more furious. Yeah. But yeah, that like dun, 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 really plodding, menacing thing. Like I, I put out a tweet earlier this week saying, hey, I much prefer it when Slayer slows down a little bit and plays something a bit more groove oriented. Because like to me, the really fast Slayer stuff is cool. And when done right, it's awesome. But like, it can get a little bit fatiguing if you just listen to constantly. So yeah, when those when those slower sections hit and they're doing that really sinister type of scale that they use, accompanied with this groove, it just becomes the most evil sounding thing, yeah. and I love it. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go into track two. Uh, Unit 731 picks up the pace. It, it goes, they, at this point, they go full on skank beat mode with, you know, not the most memorable track, but not offensive to a Slayer fan's ears. I actually thought Kirk Hammett was guesting on the solo for a moment with the wah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had to do a reality check there for a minute. I was like, wait, who am I listen to, listening to again? But um, I, do, I do like a nice... Wah solo. Um, I think the I, black I, album. I do. I do too. Like I, I have no yeah. problem. Like I'm one of those fans of Metallica that when the solo starts and there's no wah in it, I'm all like, oh. <laughs> yeah, like it, it gives a certain expression to it as well because it's like. Yeah, it's like it the solo. It real... It's like the solo is talking to you. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's like because. 
there's there's wah, and then there's a talk box. And a talk box, like in Man in the Box, allows you to actually, you know, say words with the guitar. But I, th- I think the wah, yeah. it, 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 it doesn't use words, but it still has a talky, talky kind of expression to it, yeah. which I think is awesome. You know, and you know why haters come at me. I, I, I guess it, I guess it can be overused. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I I do think Kirk has a tendency to use it as a bit of a crutch. But all in all, I can appreciate a good a good wah solo when done right. Yeah. But yeah, uh, where am I now? I'm at Snuff. Snuff yeah. is a much better much better song to me. Uh, evil riffs and halftime groove moments really really just get me you know beauty through order is a is a slower song and i want it duly noted i know i've said that i love slower slayer tracks but yeah but this one doesn't doesn't hit as hard as i remember it and maybe it has something to do with the fact that i i played the slayer pinball app a little too much and that was like one of the few songs that was actually on it oh, okay. i think there was like i think there was like two songs and the app was released as like a promotional thing for world painted blood around that time. And I just thought, wow, my favorite band made a pinball game. Fuck. Yeah. I'm going to play that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do. Um, I do beauty through order. If I, that's the one I'm thinking of, I like how the chorus is mostly played on like the toms. Like it's very, it's more yeah. of a plotting kind of uh uh chorus and i think that's kind of cool when they throw those kind of things in there definitely you know and this is the thing i like about modern slayer is that they're not afraid to play slower stuff because you get slower stuff on um south of heaven and um seasons in the abyss but af like kind of post 90s they really brought out the the groove elements and and i i really like that yeah but um yeah i will say though whenever lombardo breaks out the halftime one-handed 16 notes 16th notes on the ride i am in love yeah oh i mean there's a there's a there's a reason why and i'm assuming it's not just me but i've whenever i've been in bands and somebody's played something like that it's always just referred to as the lombardo beat <laughs> yeah, the Lombardo groove is it's such a it's such an iconic thing as well because I've heard it used in other bands, but Slayer is the first band that comes to mind whenever you hear that. Yeah, like, totally that that beat, and um, it's just the fact that the right hand is going really fast, but everything else just takes a back burner, and it's a like criminally insane. Yeah, it's totally. such a cool song. But yeah, that's on Rain and Blood. I'm talking about World, <laughs> world Painted, painted blood. blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the bloods. But yeah, the um, what have I got next? I've got Hate Worldwide, another one of the more memorable tracks on the album to me. That was the first uh, one released. I remember before the album came out, that was the first one we got to hear. Yeah, it's that kind of like classic Slayer with a little modern twist thing in there. You know, I will say at this point in the album... Um, Oh, voice cracked there. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I will say it's because I've been screaming Slayer too much. I've made myself really hoarse. <laughs> but yeah, I, I will say at this point in the album, I am feeling a tad fatigued, but I still find myself putting on the the 
stank face of groove approval. Yeah. Whenever they slow it down, like the middle section of public display of dismemberment, you know, Lombardo breaking out some subtle blasting at points too. Um, Human Strain starts promisingly, but it doesn't do an awful lot for me, that song. Sure, it's slower, but it's more vibe than groove. And that's something I don't necessarily come to Slayer for. Same same reason for Beauty Through Order. Um, Amer- Americon is mm-hmm. pretty much is pretty much a hardcore song. Yes, it's you know politically charged, and that, it has that real beat down feel to it. Yeah, that song is, is that that song is one. I, like I, I I'm gonna go ahead and do it now because I was saving it for when I talk about this album, but. That that is one of my favorite Slayer songs, and it doesn't really much sound like a Slayer song, but yeah. it is one of the it is one of those songs like I've said before that it, I will, that song comes on and I'm cranking that motherfucker because I'm like this is yeah. just so good, and there's something to be said about when Slayer takes a break from Satan and does some yeah. political shit. I think it's way more effective. Like sometimes. Sometimes the Satan thing is a little bit. I'm like, all right, guys, it's it, yeah. it's it's kind of dumb. Um, and mm. so when they when they do, because they're it's not the only song they've done that's political. They've done plenty, but when they do, oh, yeah. for some reason, I just feel like it's a lot more. I guess because it's about real evil and not you know yeah. storybook evil. Well, unless you're unless you're religious, which I'm not, but still, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I lo- Americans one of those songs. I'm just like. It's just one of those ones where I'm like, I don't know. I'm assuming it was more of a Jeff Hanneman uh, thing because I think he was more of the punky side of stuff. But yeah. Um, God, yeah, that song's great. I'm sorry to interrupt. Keep going. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's pitch in when whenever you like. Um, <laughs> I I I just love this one in particular because it's it's different in a way that I feel fits Slayer's aesthetic uh-huh. much more convincingly. You know, it's. I feel like you sometimes the 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 Satan stuff can can become a little bit wearing after a while because you think, okay, how many times can I say Satan? Yeah. You know, you know, eventually you you wanna you wanna say, hey, you know, talk about corruption or something like that. You yeah. Know? And that's that's a direction that really began on um I mean, I suppose like they gradually did it more and more as time progressed, especially following like Rain and Blood, you know, because those first three albums, they have a, they have a very religious aesthetic to them. Yeah. Like, you know, like church kids shouldn't be listening to this stuff. But then at, eventually they started bringing in like warfare and um, eventually in the 90s with um, especially with Divine Intervention they sang about a lot of things that were very much real, you know, like actual serial killers and, and, and stuff like that. And, and I think body count as well came in at it from the angle that, you know, body count with ice tea. Mm-hmm. They all, they always said that, um, reality is much more scary than fantasy because like, yeah, yeah, some crazy dude might be yelling repent on the street corner, but you know, anyone can just pull out a gun and cap you, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But not only that, like I think that there's plenty of really scary shit in the world that is already, already based in religion. 
So yeah. you, you, you don't need to dig that far, but, and I guess Slayer did also start incorporating those too. And so, um, and I, I guess a lot of bands did, but yeah, but you, but it's, I guess the, it's the more overt Satan 666 stuff that almost sounds like it's a bit <laughs> of a joke. Like they're doing, yeah. it's a, a little bit of cheeky fun as they would say in your yeah. country. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate, you're going to do a cheeky Satan next, man. <laughs> like, like, something like that. <laughs> oh, but yeah, where, where was I again? Yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying the, I'm enjoying this one. Uh, Americon. Yeah, pretty much covered that one. Yeah. So coming coming back in with um, Psychopathy Red goes back to like the skank beat thrash Slayer is known for. Um Playing with dolls feels cool and doomy, real creepy kind of thing. That's a very that. creepy song. Yeah. Also, um, like also, even, it's, it's imp- I think you should probably point out, I think Psychopathy Red may have the highest Tom Mariah screaming vocals without, without him doing that. Ah! But like the last chorus of that song, his voice is way the yeah. fuck up there. And I was always like, how did they do that? Like that dude, he <laughs> sounds like he's 20 years old again. But... But yeah, uh, I always I always love that part of that song where he goes really high, and that that's the thing. Like going back through my notes, it pained me to have to put it this low, but it's got a lot to, of great to, moments. Yeah, it does. It does have a lot of of standouts, and um, yeah, playing with dolls has that real creepy feel to it. Like I'm not sure how I feel about those like plucky high notes in the verse. Yeah, that's that's something that's always been a little bit iffy for me with Slayer. Like whenever they do that ding 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 kind kind of thing with the guitars, that one is okay. But um, yeah, the second verse definitely has like a little metalcore slash modern metal influence with like the synchronized. Kind of guitar chugs in there. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely observed a little bit of um, modern metal's influence on that little section there. Um, then, Not of This God, final track on the album, like tr- it tricked me into thinking it wasn't going to be as heavy as it was. And then that middle section happens where the guitar is like tuned right fucking down. Yeah. And. Um, the whole song, I was like, wait, where did this come from? <laughs> but yeah, the, all in all, it, it's not a Slayer album that I would reach for, but the parts that stand out really stand out. And like to me, it's mostly the breakdowns and grooves. Uh, the faster stuff on this record kind of blends together for me, really. But functionally, it has to be there to make the slower stuff really punch when it does. But they, yeah, that's my take on world painted blood at number 11 awesome um so i'm not going to be able to piggyback off of you this time um (laughs) because uh my number 11 is the 2006 album christ illusion Ooh. um and uh so i i i kind of second your feelings about it like when i was trying to order these i had to start being super critical because other than that, you know, with with Slayer, they, they they're pretty consistent overall as a band. Um, and so, when listening to this album again, which this is the album I've listened to the least since it came out, 
Um, and when I br- brought it up again, I think it's probably at least been a couple years since I listened to it. And, and as soon as I got like halfway into it, I was like, oh yeah, this is why I'm not into this album. <laughs> so obviously it's, it is a, it's noteworthy because it was the return of Dave Lombardo after a couple albums being absent, I guess three, four albums being absent, something like that. Um, and so you had the original lineup back once again, um, and it's and it's almost like a Slayer kind of just doing a Slayer thing. It's uh, it's there's yeah. a lo- there's a lot of really similar riffs. And when I'm when I say similar, I don't even necessarily mean on the same album. I mean like riffs that I feel like maybe I already heard in a different Slayer song. And this brought up like a concept that I would like to uh, give the title of riff blur. Where when all of a sudden you're hearing these riffs and you're going, this sounds really similar to something else. And you realize that a lot of the riffs revolve around the same notes. I'm mostly referring to like verse riffs most of the time, but um, it just seems like it, it starts to become just a muddied mess of fast chugging riffs around similar notes. And it's, I guess it's hard to to add a lot of a variety to when you're doing things that way. So the big problem with Christ Illusion is the fact that when listening to all of their shit, this album just doesn't stand out. Like there's not, there's no big tracks in this album or riffs, you know, like you have a, a, a South of Heaven or a, a, a Rain and Blood or a War Ensemble. They all have th- things about them that stick out and and you'll remember it. But Christ Illusion is just, it could just be one song with cool moments here and there, but not enough to make it an album that I, I seek out to listen to. Now, on, on the same note, as I was listening to this, and I, I, I always have to remember, you know, people that are your age or even younger, that if this was their first Slayer album, it's pretty fucking good. Like I would not, if somebody said, I want to get into Slayer, I bought Christ Illusion. I'd probably be like, great. It's yeah. just, <laughs> that's good. Good start. Just, you know, keep going from there. Um, but the, the fact that nothing new was brought to the table um, and the fact that really like what, what Christ Illusion was after uh, uh, God hates us all, I believe was the one before this one. Yeah, And it just seems like, you know, prior to that, I feel like they had brought different things to the table, even if it was just slight tweaking of things here and there on all of their albums. And this was the first one where it was just like, plop, here's a Slayer album. Um, and so it just doesn't really do it for me because of that. So that's that's why it's here at number, number what did I say? Number, yeah, number 11, Christ Illusion. Fair enough. You know, I, I would say that, you know, I... There's a couple of standouts on that one f- for me personally, but I do get 100% the, the riff blur theory because I began experiencing that <laughs> after, after, you know, marathoning these albums. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so number 10 for me, <clears throat> excuse me, number 10 for me is going to have to be Diabolus in Musica. All right. Now, this one is 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 often cited as the time Slayer went new metal, <laughs> and 
I don't feel like that does it justice at all. You know, I, I, the, on certain tracks, I think it does. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I'd I'd say there's some moments, and I and I'll get I'll get to those. Yeah, but um, I would consider it more of a groove metal album. Um, but good lord, bitter piece is heavy. You know, that's a pretty killer way to open a record. Yeah, that that one really makes a statement. And you know, as far as that slow groovy side of Slayer goes, fucking that this one's up there. You know, for for the slow, more kind of Slayer stuff, in contrast to the tremolo pick stuff. Yeah, there's something to be said. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll probably say it a thousand times. There's something to be said about <laughs> slowing things down. Sometimes yeah. it makes things sound more evil and heavier than the fast stuff does. Definitely, and then followed it up with uh, Death's Hand. It has a cool time change at the end. I love that. I think again, this this is one of those records I haven't spent a lot of time with. I think I've maybe listened to this album two, three times max in in my life, and you know those other two times were a long time ago. And you know, third track, "Stain of Mind," it it gives off a real Sepultura roots vibe. It's it's okay, but it's not memorable. That's that's the thing I have with with this album is that you know there's good moments that stick out but there's a lot of parts that are just forgettable and that's that's why this one's down here. Um, Overt Enemy has that kind of feel I like from this era of Slayer. I spent the listening of this album. Also, it's probably important for me to contextualize the mindset I was in when I was listening to this album. I was. Um, I'd pretty much entered all of the cheat codes on San Andreas and I just went on a killing spree while listening to this album. <laughs> and it's pretty good, you know, rampage music. I can't lie. It's 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 good for just grabbing the minigun with infinite ammo and just going around and just blowing everything in your path to pieces. But um I would definitely recommend pairing Slayer and an album uh sorry, Slayer. And a game where you can just go full on god mode because it's a it's a pretty good experience. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, going back to Perversions of Pain, it has a slightly more classic Slayer fill, you know, high speed sections especially. Then Love to Hate comes on, and this is prob this is the most new metal track so far. You know, it feels almost rap metal <laughs> at <laughs> points. You know, and and even the title, you know, love to hate. That's such. A, that sounds like, you know, that sounds like a, a Slipknot kind of title. Maybe even something like Corn. Yeah, it really does have that that kind of vibe to it. Um, then Desire begins with one of their evil, menacing, clean parts before building into this plodding chugger of a song, and then. In the name of God, got a decent metal face out of me. You know, that kind of like forced angry frown that, you know, certain songs get out of you yeah. whenever the whenever it hits right. Um, Scrum, vicious thrash track. Um, a criticism here is that they do the same kind of things in a lot of songs. And uh, the song Point closes out the record with another groovy track. It's okay. I, I don't find this album as repulsive as some do. And I can appreciate that 
at the time, you know, you're talking 1998 when new metal was really coming to the forefront. Yeah. Um, I can imagine this alienating a lot of their 80s fans in particular. Because if you did grow up on songs like Black Magic or War Ensemble, Love to Hate is going gonna, is gonna to freak you out. You're going to be like, what the fuck happened here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, and it's a, a, a thing that to me, and it doesn't happen often in the, in the album, but the one thing that happens where it does really connect it to that new metal side of things is that Tom Araya occasionally will do those sort of soft whispered really close <laughs> to the microphone corn vocals yeah you know I, I can't i can't even do it but it's like the weird i guess slipknot does it too and for yeah. some reason those vocals just annoy the fuck out of me i'm like you, you don't need to do that everyone you're, everyone cups the mic and does a little soft oh, yeah. softly spoken thing like they're almost crying into the microphone <laughs> and i'm just I was gonna say so you're not a fan of the whole like well i mean kind of, kind of when when corn does it i feel like yeah. they invented it <laughs> so, yeah they can kind of own it yeah like so if corn puts out an album and that doesn't happen i'm all like all right all right jonathan what the fuck's going on with you are you getting happy or something <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i but i i don't i don't have a lot to add that that album will come up later in this episode and i'll talk about that Cool. Okay, that's 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 my pick for number ten. Cool. My number ten uh, is uh, their most recent and last and final album, Repentless. Ooh. Uh, which is the album that came out after Jeff Hanneman died, and he didn't doesn't play on it. They have Gary Holt instead, and I love Gary Holt. Gary Holt is probably one of my favorite rhythm guitar players. Like he. He writes some fucking really great riffs, and I love Exodus. Um, but despite the fact that there are some really fucking good songs on here, like there are some good standout tracks. Um, overall, it feels a little paint-by-numbers Slayer, and there's the riff blur thing going on a lot on this album. And um, it just feels a little bit phoned in to me uh like i don't know and, and i and honestly it's it's hard to like if you're if you're not friends really close friends with the people that make these albums you don't really know where their heads and their hearts were so i don't really know if they just were doing it to get a last album done or if this was a thing where they were really trying to forge ahead at first and, and continue the band, but it feels more like the latter to me. Um, and it, this is a good time for me to bring this up. I'm hoping it's not just me. On many Slayer albums, I can barely hear Tom Araya's bass. Yes. Most of the time. And, and, and it's never really bothered me until I really noticed it, and I think it was listening to Seasons in the Abyss where I started to be like, I don't even hear a bass guitar. And this album <laughs> does the same thing, which is fucking funny because you have all those people out there that are like, and Justice for All sucks because you can't hear the bass. And then they'll be like, Slayer! Yeah. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> dude. 
<laughs> I get it. Um, so that kind of bums me out that you don't, because it, it feels missing. Because I have a pair of Beats headphones, and Beats headphones increase the bass, and you yeah. still don't hear the bass guitar very well in these songs. So that's just a gripe that I have about many of their albums, but it's a very small gripe because it's one of those things that I've gotten so used to that sound where the rhythm guitar is, is king that it doesn't really bother mm. me that much. But so in the, in the end of things, or I guess wrapping up this album, um, I really do think that world painted blood is a much better last album and they should have just left it off there. Um, I, I love that album. This album, it's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit underwhelming, but I will have to say under the circumstances, if, if, you know, you don't have Jeff Hanneman and you don't have Dave Lombardo, I think this is the best last album they could have made. So yeah, I, I'll, I'll give them that much. So, but over, yeah, overall, it's one of those albums that I, I'm pretty damn sure when we get 10 years down the line, I'll probably forget songs that were on it because I won't go back and listen to it. Um, but once again, when we're talking about younger Slayer fans, if this is their intro to Slayer, it is not bad at all. So, you know, it's just one of those things where, where albums got to go places and, and uh, you start to have to really pick out those weaknesses in the album. And I think Repentless has a good amount of weaknesses. And so that's where it is at number 10. Repentless. <laughs> I don't know why I'm I said it that way. Chi- <laughs> I'm just going to chime in with that little thing about the bass. Something I noticed that really weirds me out is the fact that I think the only album where you can distinctively hear Tom's bass is the first album they ever did. If you listen to... <laughs> If you listen to Show No Mercy, that bass is right there. Yeah. And like, especially in something like the intro to um, Black Magic, for example, you know, with the you can hear the dum, 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 dum underneath. And I'm just thinking, how the fuck did they get an album from 1983 to have more bass than an album from 2015 in an era where metal is so reliant on low end in the mix at this point yeah well i mean i guess you, know? you could say that uh diabolus you, there's a good amount of bass in that like you hear some bass on its own in yeah. that album but yeah you're you are right it is it, but it is really interesting and, and i i'm assuming it was a choice because it happened on multiple albums so you know hmm. I, it might be like it it might be something of a callback to um rain and blood you know, I, I haven't re-listened to my top six yet because I've been solely focused on these six records. Yeah. But I, I knew I knew where those records were going to sit on this list. But these ones for me are the ones that I would consider lower down. So I focused on these more. But to my recollection, I, I, I don't recall much bass being on um, Rain and Blood. I could be wrong. Um I mean, but I'm, I'm, you could also make yeah, the that argument that Tom Mariah probably just plays rhythmically right along with the rhythm guitars, and that's fine. For a band like yeah. them, I think it's fine. Yeah, definitely. You know, and, and it's a very um, guitar-focused band anyway, you know, with the, and with the whole speed. 
and shred thing. So I, I very much doubt, especially Tom being the vocalist, that people are going to be paying much attention to the bass yeah. in like Slayer's case because you got two shred guitarists, you got a wicked dude on drums, and then you got Tom Araya out front and you know the bass is not the focal point of him. He is the front man, so people are more focused on him as the vocalist. But I think I need to remind myself sometimes that Tom actually does, you know, have an instrument in his hand. <laughs> yep. He totally does. Cool. So number nine, we're at number nine, right? Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Two number nines. <laughs> number nine large. <laughs> I was doing uh, the Beatles off the White House. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> number I was nine. doing a big smokes food order from... Uh, GTA San Andreas. I, oh. I reckon we should. <laughs> that's a, that's a I, reference I, that went way over my head. <laughs> uh, I I think we should we should insert a little clip there of uh, basically Big Smoke is this big fat dude and he goes through the drive through and uh, everybody else in the car wants like one meal and he goes off on this like tangent where he wants like two number nines a number nine large a number six with extra dip two number 45s, one with cheese and a large soda or something like that. I've, I've, I, I have played this game that many times. <laughs> I'm just interested in a, in a fast food joint that has 45 different meal options. <laughs> <laughs> and it's taken me 13 years to notice that. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> but yeah, number nine for me is going to have to be Christ Illusion. Okay. Okay, so this is uh, the first album with the original lineup since Seasons in 1990. So that's 16 years apart. Uh, it, it is a return. Wow. Jeez, I didn't yeah. even think about that. That's crazy. It's crazy, isn't it? Like I, I got thinking there for a minute. Imagine being out of a band for 16 years and then and then being back there. That's got to feel strange. Yeah, totally. Yeah, 16 years out of a band. Wow. I've, I've, I, you know, I just realized what I'd written there. <laughs> it's like <laughs> 16 years is, 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 you know, most of my life at this point. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. I mean, that's, that, that's a good <laughs> amount of time that you think, you know, people change. So you would think that like, maybe that's what happened is it 16 years of distance. And then, you know, I guess, I guess your outlook on things changed a little bit, but not that much because he then left again after two albums. So, <laughs> <laughs> Right on. Okay, so back into it. It's a return to more of a straight-up thrash sound, and it, I feel as though this album has better production than uh, World Painted Blood. I felt that World Painted Blood felt, you know, to me, perhaps a little bit compressed. It did feel... A little, a little more restrained than um, Christ Illusion does. Christ Illusion feels a little more open and dynamic than the album that followed it. And um, I'm going to go straight into the track by track with uh, Flesh Storm. So this, um, this one begins the album with uh, like a modern take on Slayer's more thrash-oriented side and the sound that they would continue on the next two albums. Um, Catalyst follows up with the same kind of thing. Skeleton Christ is my favorite track so far. That awesome triplet groove and that 
the breakdown at the end sounded to me very Pantera-esque. Yeah. Uh, uh, especially like the first part. And then Eyes of the Insane is okay. It doesn't stand out on this record to me. On the flip side, Jihad is one of my favorite Slayer songs. And the rant over that sinister guitar part with the double pedal, like just going at the end. That sounded to me like one of the most evil things Slayer have like ever written. And, you know, it's it's important to note as well that that, that album, that sorry, that song is sung from the point of view of the terrorists on 9-11. So that is a uh, that is a particularly one of those reality songs that really yeah. hits hits a mark that's like, holy fuck. You know, it's like, I, yeah, we got real evil out there for you guys to sing about. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> but yeah, and then and Conspiracy is Chaos and Speedy Thrash done right. And then Catatonic starts and it's like full on sludge metal. And again, like Americon I'd mentioned previously, this is one of those Slayer tracks that doesn't sound like Slayer. And it's fucking awesome. And I feel as though... Had Slayer done more exploration, they they could have had a um, a more diverse but equally consistent catalog, you know. Because unlike Metallica, who did who did a complete branch out in the nineties, Slayer always Slayer have done what ACDC did, and pretty much done a variation on the same kind of thing. I know they did jump out of uh the thrash thing a little bit with um diabolos but aside from that they've very much retained they've never not been playing slayer so yeah that that is that's that's definitely something they've carried right through their career uh black serenade rapid and sinister song cult carrying on that same fast and evil sound and then finally we have supremist which climaxes the album with one of the most visceral tracks on the record. And I gotta say, like all in all, I'm impressed with this album. And I was surprised at its quality that I hadn't paid it more attention in the past. Especially knowing about like songs like Jihad and Cult. You know, I always I always knew those tracks. So I it struck me as surprising that I hadn't listened to the rest of the record. But I do definitely get where you're coming from with the riff blur thing because i i really do think there are only so many ways you go before it you know becomes it's like that little conversation we had about death metal in the nirvana episode um with about the constant blast and quick stuff and it's like if you just like, you know, throw in a little meaty slowdown part there, you know, I'd be much more into it than than just that kind of thing. Yeah. But um yeah, gotta say, I I liked this album. I, I don't think I've really had any experiences with any of these albums where I thought, uh, you know, let it end. Or you know, I was just like I was worn out after listening to them. But that's what Slayer does. It's a very, it's a very athletic sounding style of metal because it's just yeah. constantly, constantly running. 
Also, and, I think um, it's it's probably important to note that I don't think that Slayer ever fell victim to the thing that all sorts of bands were doing where you were making an album that was 70, 75 minutes long. I I, I think yeah. that Slay, most Slayer albums tap out at around 40 minutes, maybe a little bit over. But yeah. um, I think that that's a smart move on their part most of the time because it's like... I don't know. I, 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 we, we've, we, we'll talk about this a million times probably. I just think that shorter albums, picking your best songs, that's usually the way to go. And I feel like Slayer most of the time manages to do that. Yeah, I feel like it's better to leave the audience wanting more than to play so long that they become disinterested. It's, yeah. you know, you, you don't want to, you don't want to burn them out. So, you know, especially when you think about Rain and Blood that album doesn't even clock in at half an hour. That thing yeah. is like, that thing is like 29 minutes in length. It's, I'm not sure exactly, but yeah, you're, it's, it's in the twenties, but it's, but that is, it's one of those great examples of this is enough album. You, yeah. you don't need, you, you've given enough. It's almost like they gave an hour's worth of material in less than half an hour. So, you know, you just, <laughs> just nip it in the bud right there and move on. Definitely. And I, and I think, um, I think a lot of the fact that rain and blood is so short, just gonna, just gonna say this now is probably due to the speed of all of the songs because <laughs> yeah. they, they all kind of do what they need to do in a pretty concise amount of time, you know, with the exception of, you know, angel of death, which kind of goes on a journey. The rest of the songs kind of have this theme, do it, do a little tempo change there, come back to it. Yeah. That's the song, done. Next song, go, repeat kind of thing. But, you know, that thing was a game changer at the time. But anyway, I, I digress. Yeah, well, the, that'll be a, an album that we'll both obviously be talking about next episode. <laughs> D- definitely. I'm going to try and keep all my po- points on that one reserved. <laughs> but yeah, right, so uh, my number nine... Moving on, unless you had anything else to add about Christ Illusion, nah, not re- not really much to say. I think I've I've got one thing to say about the artwork. I think this, I think it, it was at this point that Slayer started kind of doing two covers for their albums, like with God hates us all. There's two covers. Um, there's two covers for this one, and then I don't know about World Painted Blood, but I think there was one. But I think it was it was a case of um, on God hates us all. It was originally a Bible with nails in it and blood spattered yeah. on it, uh-huh. and then they they changed it to that white thing with the crosses on the on the front. And then for Christ illusion, they had like a, a rotting green Jesus hand with a hole through the middle of it, and then there was that other um, cover for it of um kind of that like almost seasons in the abyss kind of thing going on yeah i i think if i remember right especially with god hates us all i think that the original cover was inside the new cover so you would you would open it up and it would have the real cover of the album which i'm assuming christ illusion was probably the same thing yeah all right, well then uh, let's move on to my number nine. My number nine is uh, the 98 album Diabolus in Musica, if that's hey. how you say it. <laughs> um, and so, yes, this is 
this is one that I think a lot of people may put way lower than this on their list just because it's such a 180 for Slayer. Um, and yeah, it does have a lot of slower tempos. It's the most, the, 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 the widest use of slower tempos of any Slayer album. Definitely. But as, as we've talked about using the slower tempos, does really highlight the faster parts because there are a couple faster songs on this album and I think it just makes them more powerful because of all the slower parts. And um, yeah, to me, the new metal influence is all over the place. Just just the <laughs> yeah. d- down-tuned, really simple riffs. Um, and some of the riffs are very generic sounding. Um, yeah. I, w- I will have to say... And I, I did a, a podcast episode on this where I talked about new metal and about how some of it, a good amount of it nowadays to me actually sounds pretty cool because that sound didn't necessarily continue to happen over and over and over again. So yeah. some of it to me, it I'm like, oh, okay, this is interesting because it's now this sort of different era of metal that is very unique to a particular time. I know some bands are doing it now too, but not in the same way, I don't think. And so when I hear some of these songs on on this album that have that real new metal kind of feel, I'm like, this is actually kind of cool because you don't hear this a lot anymore. And at the time, I get it. It was kind of it was kind of a uh an attempt to fit in maybe for Slayer. Yeah. Although I don't think that they would ever want to do that. So that, that might be selling the album short and it may just be that, you know, they really wanted to strip down and do something slower. And it just so happened that all these other bands were doing similar things at the same time. Um, but to be fair, like, I just like that it's something different. Um, I don't, I don't mind the experimentation. In fact, I welcome it and I love it. And it, that's why the album isn't you know dead last on my list and um honestly slayer's take on that style of music is makes for a pretty interesting listen um and and so it is pretty enjoyable i think at times it almost sounds a bit clumsy almost like it's the it's the musical equivalent of trying to fit into somebody else's pants that were tailored <laughs> the pants were tailored for them and you're putting them on and sure you you look pretty good in those pants but you could look better if they were made for you and so i feel like it's just a little bit of ill fitting when it comes to the to the sound um and so yeah some of it some of it hasn't aged well some of it has but uh really when it when it all boils down to um one phrase for this album, I would just have to say that I appreciate the experiment and um, I don't think it should be shit on the way it is by some people. Um, obviously, it's not... I, that. The weird thing is that this album doesn't get as much shit as some other bands' left turn kind of albums, but um, I, I do think that overall it is um, a quality and well-done album. So there you go, number nine. Cool. Um, yeah, pretty much, pretty much covered everything I'd, I'd say about that one. Yes. It's a good, I feel like of all of the bands, like, cause if, if you think like the big four, I think St. Anger is the main one that people point out as like the worst, but that's because Metallica is the 
biggest one. So you're always going to have people jumping on the hating on St. Anger bandwagon. But then, you know, this album here, to me, while a lot of people would put it very low, even at the bottom, I I don't think it deserves to be shit on in the same regard because I think in a way Slayer managed to Slayer managed to incorporate the sounds almost like influence more than trying to fit in in a way yeah. you know yeah they didn't they didn't change their look they didn't pull a machine head and all, yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden start wrapping exactly. and spiking their hair and coloring their beards blue or whatever the fuck <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that so was a- uh, you you got to give them that. I, I I think that it was an honest influence. They were like I I'll say this all the time about albums like this. I think that they were probably friends with a lot of those bands, and it was just that bleed over of like this is what's going on, and this is the music we're listening to, and it just seeped into the theme of what we decided to do for this particular album. So um, to me, it just seems honest. So I you know that's great. Definitely sounds good. So. Coming in at number eight, I've gone for, drum roll, Divine Intervention. Wow, okay, okay. Now, I've put this one here, and this is the area where I would say I'm getting into the albums now that I would reach for. You know, I would kind of lay out my Slayer albums at this point, it would be just kind of eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Um, yeah, depending on which mood I'm in. But I will say, upon re-listening to this album today, it has moved up a spot. You know, it was below Christ Illusion, and it's and it's gone up. And I think it's important to state how how much happened within the time period of 1990 to 1994 because yeah, Slayer totally. didn't release Slayer didn't release any studio albums be- between well between seasons and divine intervention so you've got the years of 91 92 93 where shitloads changed in the landscape yeah. in the landscape of um rock and metal you know glam gone grunge has risen but slayer remained slayer kind of throughout even though that they they didn't really put any anything out i mean i know they put out decades of aggression the live album but um you know slayer never really fell into the like i don't, I don't want to say like polished kind of area of 80s metal but there's a distinctive production shift from uh, the quite reverb-heavy... I mean, there is a little bit of reverb on Divine Intervention, but the mix on Divine Intervention sounds completely different to that on previous albums. And yeah. it could have been produced better. You know, the guitars at a lot of the points in the album sound like I'm listening to the record through a pillow, you know, they sound a little bit muffled as if like the drum, the drummer and the vocalist are in this room and the guitars are being played next door. They, yeah. they, I feel like there was a lot of odd choices made in the mix all, all over the fucking album. Yeah, it's, it's a strange one. And at points, 
you know, Tom is quite quiet. You know, I've I found, and it's one of the strangest mixes on an album that I've heard in in metal because. I can't tell whether or not it does the album justice or not. It does it make it feel. <laughs> I does think it a lot would it, say it doesn't. Yeah, I was going to say, does it make it feel raw? And then I thought to myself, nah, it just sounds like it was mixed badly. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. None, nonetheless, they they kind of they stuck to their guns. Um, this is the first album that they, that they did with um, Paul Bostaff, and he is just he is awesome. He is just as awesome as Dave for me. I mean, Dave is the iconic one, but Paul definitely does a great job behind the kit as well. And, um, yeah, they went for more concepts based in reality on this album. This is where Slayer's um, kind of socially aware, social awareness kind of came into the forefront. I mean, I know they talked about, like, you know, warfare and things like that. But on this album, that they pretty much, you know, funnily enough, the album's called Divine Intervention, but the album is actually very much real in a lot of its topics. And I'm just going to go right into the tracks. Um, cool. So it's got some great stuff, a little forgettable filler here and there. But aside from that, I feel like this is a strong effort. Killing Fields right off the bat shows the first distinctive departure from 80s slayer you know with its emphasis on opening the record with more of a groove i mean there are thrash parts but it it does have that yeah i think that that song in particular that's one of those examples of how the slower parts make the faster parts really pop so once you get into yeah. the faster part especially at the end with the now you're standing like i'm just like oh my god this is fucking amazing <laughs> yeah. I, I i totally love that song but i think that's why it works so well is because they do they don't just give you the full the full thrashiness you know all at once it's it's sporadic or whatever but yeah i Definitely. love that song. and the the thing that really won me over with uh bostaff was his double kick on sex murder art wow that- that I, 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 I have to I have to interrupt you Ooh. because I feel like for the most part and this this started in 1994 for me and it still is there today. I feel like his double bass playing is sloppy. I hear yeah. mistakes. I hear mistakes and I hear inconsistencies. And sometimes it feels like it veers off from the guitars slightly and and that always bothered me. And now that you're saying this, I'm like, maybe is there something fucking wrong with my brain? Because I don't hear that <laughs> when when Dave Lombardo does it. But I hear it on pretty much every Slayer album that Paul Bostoff plays on. Funny enough, though, on other albums he plays on, I, it's not as obvious. And maybe it's because he's not utilizing the double kick so prominently. But yeah. It, it, I, I always hear what I, what to my ears sounds as mis, missteps in his double kick. And it's interesting that you're saying that. So I didn't mean, I, this is one of those things where I'm like, it's so weird to hear somebody say that his double kick was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I'm like, all right. <laughs> I would, I would say like there's a, in that, that there is kind of like a human element to it. So it's sure almost feels like it's on the verge of derailing and it's that like unsettling 
nature to the to the playing on this album that that I think I mean, I'm tuned in with. Don't get me wrong, I would rather it be what he's playing than the fucking triggered inhuman <laughs> sounding double kick any day. Oh, oh god, yeah. Did you check out that um video of that dude who'd managed to like hook up a quadruple pedal system? And, <laughs> no, you you have, have to send that to me. And and he managed to um if anybody didn't watch any of the last episodes, I I might have mentioned it on here. He there's this dude out there that managed to like make a quadruple pedal setup where he basically had these like single doubles which you can double kick with one foot and he'd applied them to two separate drums if i recall correctly and when he really opens up it just sounds like an a10 warthog firing its gun where it just goes like (laughs) like that whole like sign tone it's like, it's like your phone vibrating or something. <laughs> honestly that that is exactly what it sounds like i actually reached for my phone one time i listened to it because it was like <laughs> it really does sound like that but yeah like i would say it, it's the unsettlingly almost about to fall apart nature to this album that i think appealed to me in a, in a different way you know yeah. Lomb- lombardo is is my favorite but um I think the slight sloppiness on here does lend itself to the roar sound on this on this album. And yeah. Um, yeah, going going on to track three, we've got fictional reality. You know, brings a triplet kind of feel, which is nice and refreshing to hear once in a while. Because um, Slayer, while they are, while they do play phenomenally fast, th- they are very straight forward rhythm wise it is you know that kind of bay area poker kind of thing going on there (laughs) but um then it goes into ditto head which is one of the most visceral punishing tracks slayer have ever written that is up there up there with my favorites you know that you know, it's, it's the fact that it starts off like it's just he's just absolutely ranting over this absolutely blazingly fast guitar work. That, and that's not that's also something to be said about Tom Araya is that he was able to spit out really fast like vocals with a lot of syllables. Yeah. And keep and keep it on like I never felt like he was off beat. Like, yeah. you know, you go, go back to like hella weights or whatever, like where there's <laughs> a lot, a lot of words all really quickly. And that, that's the thing that's great about Ditto Head is that Ditto Head is this really fast song, yeah. but no part of me thinks that these dudes are going to lose it at any point. It is like masterfully done. And, uh, yeah, it's such a great song. Insanely tight song. Like it, this is why I feel like in another universe had Tom Araya taken up hip-hop he would have been a pretty sick rapper i'm not gonna lie his syllable work is is his you know if he can you know yell that fast surely he's got to be able to he's got some rap chops hidden somewhere (laughs) i'd love (laughs) maybe that's what that's that's what he's gonna do now he's taking he's gonna take a break or or he's he's finished he's finished with slayer and then once he's done with his break he's gonna come back as a new hip-hop artist so (laughs) that'd be brilliant (laughs) Um, and then we come to my favorite track on the album, Divine Intervention, the title track, is my favorite song 
here. It could be, you know, it could be a contender for, you know, one of my top 10 Slayer songs. Yeah. It almost feels like a villainous grunge song at times. And that clean section before Tom comes in is ear porn to me. If if you listen to, <laughs> if you listen to the Nirvana episode, you all know I have an unhealthy infatuation with the chorus effect. And if you don't know what the chorus effect is, it basically doubles the signal of a sound and slightly offsets it to make it sound really sexy. And um, (laughs) (laughs) Come As You Are by Nirvana is a perfect example of that. And I could listen to a whole album of grungy chorus shit and be completely satisfied. That's when they were developing the chorus pedals for the first time. That's what they were saying. Like, how do we make this sound sexier? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, now, <laughs> now I'm done filleting the chorus effect for this episode. <laughs> we move on to track six, Circle of Beliefs. Now, this, this is a pretty standard, fast Slayer track. You know, yeah. not much to say, but it's Slayer doing Slayer. SS3 keeps that theme going. Serenity and Murder is one of the few sing-along moments on this album where, you know... Tom Araya actually does a melody with his voice on this one instead of like the yelling that he's been doing for most of the album. Yeah. And, um, which is, I remember that was one that I heard people gripe about because he was singing on it. And I was like, he sang on the, I mean, do you remember seasons in the abyss? Yeah. He sang on that song. It's, I don't know. It's weird that people nitpick things without really thinking about what a band has done in their career. Yeah. And so like, I'm all like, I don't know. I think that's. I think it's a cool moment in that song when he does the sort of low singing in that. I think the funniest thing as well is when they call out like. Um, I think one of the funniest things I love to do is um, look at early photos of thrash bands and see what they were wearing, and yeah, they would go on to reject the whole makeup thing. But if you look at like, Show No Mercy era Slayer, they've all got eyeliner on. You know, granted, yep. it's granted it's more in the vein of you know extreme, evil looking stuff than drag, but still they wore makeup. And it, nowadays, even post Rain in Blood, it's hard to imagine a world where Slayer goes on stage with makeup on. I mean, I know yeah. Kerry King goes out with like that gauntlet thing with nails on his arm, but. To be to be fair though, if you spend a lot of time braiding your beard, I think that's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> yeah, you, you reach a certain point where it just becomes a different version of it's diff- still hair and makeup at yeah. some in so, at some point, you know. <laughs> but yeah, go, going on to two one three, this has another chorus effect moment. Mwah. Uh, (laughs) this reminds me of something that I would hear a MIDI version of in the original Doom games, you know, kind of released around the same time. This feels to me like being on a, you know, platform descending into an arena to fight the cyber demon from Doom 2. And it's just like that real... was almost like doom metal to me and that, and that's that's what really made that song pop out to me i just thought this is evil this is this is something that if you you know played it to your parents would probably shit themselves cuz they'd be like <laughs> holy shit is is this what my boy is listening to but yeah 
Um, and then Mind Control is the savage final track, and it closes out the album with a vicious flurry of Slayer doing what they do best. It's um, it's an underrated record, but I, I hold a lot of other records in their catalogue to be of a higher standard. So that is why it came in at number eight. But um, cool, definitely a strong record. I, so this is this is this is the most interesting episode I think we've done so far because we're we're so not in line with each other on yeah. our lists, and it <laughs> makes it much more interesting. So uh, my number eight is "God Hates Us All" from uh, two thousand and one. So I'm going to start this off with a little story. Oh, um, so. Um, the day that God Hates Us All came out, which was September 11th, 2001, I remember waking up in the morning and um, my girlfriend at the time was staying over and she was like, uh, we should turn on the TV, turn on your TV. And I'm like, what, why? And obviously the September 11th attacks had just happened. And yeah. I think when I started watching the news, both planes that already hit the buildings <clears throat> and it was weird it was a very it was a very weird time in america probably you know i don't know for everyone no matter what your political beliefs are but um yeah. all i remember was i was a little bit freaked out because i was like it was almost unreal and i was like this is fucking weird like are we gonna are we are, they, are we gonna have a war that happens over here now? Like what? It, what does this mean? And and even with all of this anxiety and confusion and fear, I still left my house to go to the record store because I was like, ah, I'm going to buy the new Slayer album today. <laughs> so <laughs> so I went to the record store. And I and I bought God Hates Us All. And I remember thinking to myself, what an appropriate album title. <laughs> yeah. I, it, so, it's spooky. So it was one of those things where I was like, I was thinking in my head, and I, I wish that I could have somehow been a fly on a wall with the Slayer dudes when September 11th happened on the day their album came out. And just like... Do you, do you worry that it's going to hurt your sales? Is it going to boost your sales? Like, what the fuck? You're like, you're already a band that's under scrutiny from parental organizations and shit anyway. So it's just, it was such an interesting day and time. And so that album will always obviously have that feeling for me when I play it. Because you, you like I got into my car the CD went into the CD player in my car and you hear the song God Hates Us All, which is up there with one of my favorite Slayer songs. It is heavy. It yeah. is no bullshit. And it sounds like a song that would have been written after they saw the September 11th attacks. Like they would have been like, we got to get this feeling into a song. Here it is. And yeah. I was just like, how the fuck is this so perfect? How is this album? And, and especially that song so perfect for right now. And so that being said, the, the album is heavy as fuck. I would say it's the most aggressive Slayer album they made. I would to agree. Me, it, to me, it, it's just balls out extreme and it, it pretty much never lets up. And um, one of the things that I do like about this album is they didn't 
do a complete 180 from Diabolus in Musica mm. because there's still a little bit of that new metal tinge in some of the parts here and there. So I like the fact that they didn't just turn coat and be like, ah, no, 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 we got to... We got to do classic thrash metal again. Yeah. Um, but it does have a lot of thrash on it. It has a lot of fucking killer tracks. And it is a, it's a band firing on all cylinders. Um, but this album is where the riff blur begins for me. This is the, this is the first album that they put out where I started to hear riffs and think to myself, I think they did this one already. Yeah. And and so there's a little bit of that on this album, but fortunately I think there's enough of a variety of approaches and twists in the songs that keeps it from being rehashed sounding. Um yeah. but when you get to an album like like this, unfortunately it stands up against a whole lot of classic albums that to me have aged very well. And um, this, I think this may be their longest album because it's the only one that I've ever listened to where I thought maybe it could have been a couple songs shorter. Uh, yeah. Because I do think I do think there's a little bit of filler on it, um, but only in comparison to other songs on the album. But yeah, so so the reason why it ends up, you know, at number eight is simply because it it has some flaws that keeps it from seeming like classic slayer for like this seems like you know post post you know like i don't know everything like diabolus if i'm even saying that right <laughs> was was like was almost like the 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 turning of an era for slayer it's like the midpoint for me and then god hates us all is like we're full on into the second wave of Slayer. And that's when things start to just seem just not as, as uh, vital, I guess. Yeah. Um, as their earlier stuff. But um, that being said, that's just me trying to explain why I put it here at number eight, because if you're taking the album on its own merits, it is heavy as fuck. It's really good. Um, and my gripes are, are real minor, but um it had to go somewhere and it ended up here at number eight. So that's, that's my, that's my spiel. Cool. Um, I just want to state as well, like just cycling back to the, to the release date of the album. Um, yeah. you know, I was, how old would I have been? I would have been three when nine 11 happened. Mm. And, you know, as a, as a toddler in Britain, I had, really no idea to be honest if yeah. i look if i looked up at the tv and two saw two burning towers i would have thought oh this is this is a movie or something that you know my parents are watching or some shit but yeah you know when i think for you for you or anyone you know especially living in america at the time and and being old enough to to know what was what was going on it must have been a you know, scare, scary as shit, especially it being it, on American soil. Yeah, it was scary. But so just to, just to briefly talk about it, since we're on the subject, my, it was a horrible day. It was a horrible event. It was tragedy. It's, it's one of the worst thing that's ha that's happened in American history. But for me as a music fan and as a metal fan, 
And as a fan of, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. I'm about to get slightly political here. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so the pendulum in America by the the late '90s, even mid '90s, had swung very left. Yeah. Like the over the overall feeling that you got from America was. Uh, uh, we won't accept racism or sexism or homophobia. We're moving forward, folks. And 9-11 seems like the part, the thing that happened where all of a sudden the fucking pendulum started to swing way the fuck back the other way. And I think our country regressed like, like fucking crazy. And we're still, yeah. we're obviously still dealing with it today. Um, I don't want to go any further into that because it's just my own personal political opinions. Um, but um, I do feel like that was a moment and, and that's why that thing is it, that moment, it, it, it feels even worse to me. Cause I'm like, man, we were doing so well. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I, I fucking hate, you know, the people responsible for it, you know, even more so. Cause I'm like, not only did you kill so many fucking people and just destroy, you know, a part of our, uh, I guess our security feeling secure in our own country, but also you started a wave that brought out all of these awful people <laughs> that all of a sudden, all of a sudden yeah. were just coming out of the woodwork. And I was like, Oh, I didn't think we had this many of them. <laughs> what, when I, um, remember the name of, of the girl who did it, but there, there's a, um, there's a, YouTube video called um, Protest Music in the Bush Era, and that was a really interesting watch. It's like a 40-minute video. Uh, m maybe link it below if I can if I can find the find the video. Okay. But, but yeah. I watched it recently, and it and it was a and it was a good watch. You know, just just to see what happened to music during that time. It, as it was it was an it was an interesting time, but I also do think that the protest music around that time did not have the same feeling of accomplishment that eighties era or seventies era <laughs> protest music did. It seemed, yeah. it seemed still a little bit watered down. Um, that's why like, you know, green day does American idiot. I'm like, nice try guys. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we, we've gone way off track, but still, you know, uh, uh, it, it, that was, it was a weird time, but also it's very interesting that Slayer was there. <laughs> <laughs> right on so that brings me to is this the last album of this episode yep yep yeah. we're on our last one okay so my number seven pick i've gone for repentless all right okay so going now this actually ties into a little bit of a uh I know, I know we want to steer away from that because we don't want to bum our listeners out, but this one also ties into a little bit of a, a terror attack story. So okay. this album came out right when I was in college and I saw them a couple months after this album came out and, you know, they were amazing live and I really enjoyed seeing songs from the album live. But if you remember back in 20, 2015, two months after this came out, um, I had gone to see them live days after the Paris 
Eagles of Death Metal thing had happened. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. So you know, on a on a slightly somber note, um, something I distinctly remember was that I was slightly on edge at the beginning of the show because I thought, you know, you know, it'd be so easy for someone to just run in and take me out. You know, at the uh, time. Also, maybe my maybe my my perception of when events happened is a little sketchy, but. Also, I think around that same time, wasn't there something in the UK where somebody drove a car like into a big group of people on a bridge or something? Like there was, it seemed like there was a lot of those things happening around the same time all over the world, it seemed. Yeah. Funnily enough, I played a gig that day with my college band, but that was, I think that was two years later. That was the one. Okay. Okay. I think that was the Westminster Bridge one where the dude mounted the curb and took took a bunch of yeah people down but yeah that it, it was a terrible thing but yeah um something i distinctly remember from the um cuz i saw them at um plymouth plymouth pavilion and um had the the terror attack had happened days prior to me seeing slayer live you know the the eagles of death metal concert where where most of the people were killed in in the attacks and um it really shook, you know, every music fan to the core because they thought, yeah. you know, just even. I think Kerry King even chimed in on it, and he said, "I am amazed it took them this long to attack a rock concert." You know, because because really, there's been concert tragedies in the past, but generally they've been accidents and like you know, stage crushes and things like that, and maybe things yeah. collapsing and you know, not a deliberate you know attack. But I remember seeing the uh, colors of the French flag were projected onto the curtain uh, before the band came out. And uh, yeah, that's just that's just my little story about seeing Slayer around that time. And it, much, much like, you know, much like God Hates Us All coming out on 9-11, this thing related to Slayer for me in my own life happened around yeah. a, a significant you know tragedy and um enough about the sad shit let's get on to the <laughs> let's get on to the music um so uh this is the final album that they did um studio album that is and uh exodus is gary holt is on guitar along with paul paul bostaff back on drums following lombardo's second departure and the album intro gives me goosebumps and takes me right back to seeing it live back in November 2015. Um, Delusions of Saviour going into Repentless is fucking sick. Like the production on this... Sorry, the... Uh, bleh, sorry. Uh, the, produ <laughs> the production is much better on this record, I feel, than its predecessor. Uh, it, take Control, t typical fast Slayer track... The mid tempo part towards the end had me had me head banging, you know. Vices has that slower, more sinister feel from Slayer that I adore. Nonetheless, the flurry of double kick under that groove is delicious. Uh, cast the first stone as another groove one. Uh, me likey, you know. <laughs> I'm much more like <laughs> much more likely to headbang to stuff like this than say necrophobic, for example. You know, the the feel of these tracks, like like this, makes me. 
it makes me want to do that face that uh, Doom Guy makes when he picks up a new weapon. We'll we'll insert that little image here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You'll but, have to um, send that to me. <laughs> I, I will do. But it's it's a face I find myself making whenever whenever a really you know angry and evil Slayer part comes on. It's just that <sighs> kind of thing. <laughs> but um, then it's followed up with uh, when the stillness comes. You know, again has that slow feel. This one, however, you know, boils over gradually. That opening clean part is is ace. But when shit really goes off, all I want to do is just just demolish a skyscraper with my fist. You know, I actually I really like this album because of like how meaty it is in parts. For me, I approach this one more from a groove lens than I do a thrash lens. So, uh, you know, chasing death feels hardcore in places, and those like out like screams he does are like a great little addition too. you know whenever he does that it just makes me laugh but in like an evil way so it's like yeah i think slayer really you know with their um scale choices and and how they play really capture that um feel of of menace and and capture a level of darkness that i feel a lot of other thrash bands just i feel a lot of other thrash bands just capture the aggression they don't actually scare you whereas like a lot of the harmony choices and like riffs that slayer plays i think fuck you know whoever wrote this has got some dark shit in in their head because <laughs> if they can yeah. con if they can conjure up you know th- this combination of notes you know they're in they're in the right hands for this kind of for this kind of thing yeah. and like there's very little there's very little skank beat thrash on here and it veers more into groove territory and honestly on this one I'm all for it you know that being said implode incorporates both which is cool piano piano wire again hitting me with that you know kind of evil groove that seems to be a little bit unique to Slayer. It's very evil and, and menacing. I know, I know a lot of other metal bands can capture that, but Slayer have this way of doing it that's so uniquely them. Because I, I don't think I can think of any other bands that sound like Slayer in the way that they can conjure up that feel. You know? Yeah. People can play thrash, and they can play fast, and they can play you know, crazy stuff. But I think just the sheer combination of all of the elements that make up Slayer really set them apart from, you know, the big four and, you know, thrash in general, because they're always known as the darkest one, you know? Yeah. And Anthrax is the fun one. Megadeth and Metallica kind of straddle a line. And then Slayer is, you know, straight up evil, you know, it's almost like villain music. And, um, yeah, Atrocity Vendor feels punky and brutal. That kind of skank beat, otherwise known as the uh, Bay Area Poker, is <laughs> is prominent here. You know, You Against You has a wicked dive bomb in it. Big fan of dive bombs. Um, I, I, uh, I do have to admit that, that I think that song title is pretty laughable. Yeah. <laughs> Atrocity Vendor. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought Atrocity Vendor, you know, that, that song... It does feel a little bit tongue in cheek that one there, because it because it's like I'm trying to imagine p- 
picturing it in my head and I've just got this like vending machine in my head that just dishes out tragedies. Yeah. You know? <laughs> or a guy or a guy getting off the back of a truck with a box of some yeah. stuff, some atrocity. <laughs> so what would you like today? Genocide or you know, war or <laughs> But then um I think at the end, you know, you against you has has the wicked dive bomb minute. Like I said, I I just huge fan of dive bombs. Approaching the end of the record, this one possesses a kind of hyped up feel preparing you for the end. And then Pride and Prejudice is just crushing. I, you know, I fucking love this hardcore side to Slayer, you know, brutal way to close out the record. You know, I'm, I'm actually thoroughly impressed with this record and, and it kills me to have it this low. I think um, on Repentless, you and I got, got some differing differing takes on this one for sure yeah that's <laughs> it's keeping it interesting but yeah it, all in all i enjoy this record and i think of of the lower end this is probably the most likely for me to pick up so i'm gonna hand it over to you all right so um this choice may be controversial i don't really know um Ooh. Uh, my I'm number excited. seven is uh, Show No Mercy from 1983. <laughs> uh, so um, the debut album from Slayer, uh, it's it's a Stone Cold classic. I think that 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 era of thrash, the first couple years that the bands were getting going, um, I, there's there's it's so enjoyable to listen to how the music was unfolding when it was this kind of new thing and I, and each band's sort of different take on what would end up becoming you know the thrash metal sound so before i say anything else about this album talking about why i have it so low which i guess some people might think it's low um before i say any of that um songs like the antichrist and black magic are so fucking good that those alone almost made the album higher, especially Black Magic. That's oh. the beginning riff of Black Magic is one of those things that starts and it just, there's such a classic, eerie vibe to not, not only just with the notes, but the way that the riff is played. It's an odd time. There's an odd rhythm, not a rhythm, but I don't know what to call it. But it's just, it's not straightforward to me. It's an interesting um, riff that they start playing, or I guess that'd be more of a guitar metal melody. But still, um, it, that those two songs, I guess, you know, you could say Die by the Sword also. Um, Die by the are Sword. Just, just such classic, <laughs> classic fucking songs. So aside from those songs, though, a lot of this shit just sounds like what other bands were already doing and some bands were doing better than this album. Um, it's a lot, there's a lot of 80s mid-tempo metal on it, like not thrash. You can stuff definitely, that, definitely hear the new wave of British heavy metal influences in there. Yeah, there, there are, like it almost seems like it has more in common at times with the first Anthrax album Yes. Than it does than it does with Kill 'Em All, and 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 that's a good point also about this album is the fact that it's um, produced too soft 
I guess that that's that's yeah. a that's a that's a good point to me. I, I, in comparing it with with you have to compare it to Kill 'Em All, just because that that was that was the beginning of the whole shit. Kill 'Em All has a very raw and heavy and aggressive vibe to it, whereas Show No Mercy, it it it's a little bit rounded off at the edges quite nicely, where it's not too heavy. Um, but you did make an interesting point about the bass guitar being prominent, which mm. that, that is a thing about this album. But um, I really do think that it's a good album, but it is, it is a band that is in the process of carving out their niche in the thrash metal world um, or, or whatever. You know, I, I, I don't even, I guess at the time they were considering it thrash metal. Was it even called that at that point? You'd think that I would know these things, but I don't know. I don't know how quickly they started calling it thrash, but it it clearly was a vibe that a lot of bands were picking up on very quickly. Um, and so, yeah, the the production is very '80s sounding and and not very heavy. Um, and then the yeah, the big gripe for this album is the fact that some of the songs just kind of blend in with other things that were going on at the time. So even though you do have a lot of fucking classic shit on this album. You also have some other stuff that's like, eh, it's pretty good. So um, that's really all I have to say about this one. It's 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 uh, one of those albums that I can't really argue with its classic status, and I really mm. enjoy listening to it. But in the grand scheme of things, with the albums that we will get to, uh, it's just not as good, in my opinion. So, yeah. Fair enough. I, I would, you know, I'd probably say the same things as you. Um Black Magic, such a good song, you know, and oh, I that is definitely, definitely top three Slayer tracks for me. Black Magic, and yeah. and the first time I heard Black Magic wasn't on the album. It was like it was like a live music video of yes, of Rain and Blood. It's, it was Rain and Blood. Yeah. Yes, and it was that I I love that transition where it gets to the part at the end of Rain and yeah. Blood where it it in, in the on the album it goes to that really fast part, but it literally just went right into the chugging. <gasps> yeah. And then they go into the riff for Black Magic, and I'm like, oh, that's so fucking good. I, that's probably the first time I heard that song too. Yeah, I I remember seeing it on. Um, it was either Kerrang or or scuzz tv and uh i remember watching it and i was like what what's this the video said that this was rain and blood you know are they gonna go do that fucking nuts thing they always do at the end of rain and blood and then it just kept going and it was like do 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 the kick started coming in yeah. and i thought and then he goes into that dead and i was like is this like a non-album section of Rain and Blood, like, <laughs> and and like my kid brain at the time was like, could they not fit this on the album? And I'm like, in hindsight, I'm thinking, dude, Rain and Blood's one of the shortest fucking metal albums. They could have definitely, they could have fit a whole other, <laughs> you know, thirty minutes on that thing. Yeah, but um, that song is one of the first Slayer songs that I really fell in love with, and. All of this, it's such a strangely structured song. And am I correct in thinking that there is a major section in it as well? 
Like, uh, oh yeah, yeah, there is, there yeah. is. It's a variation on the. Well, it actually, it almost seems like it changes key two times. Yeah, in the in this in the song, like a a pre-chorus or something like that. Yeah, it's 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 one of those cases of like it's such a chaotic song, but it's so coordinated at the same time that yeah. it's you know if 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 the song Black Magic was a person. I would not fight them because yeah. <laughs> this thing is a fucking behemoth. Yeah. This this one yeah. that's it that's the weird thing about putting the album at, you know at the in the bottom half because just thinking about that song alone I'm like god oh, that's <laughs> that's one of my favorite Slayer songs but yeah. Definitely. So I, I so we so we did it. We did the first half. I do find it fascinating that two of your bottom 3 are in my top 3 or top 5 top Whatever, Ooh. top six. Two of your bottom six are in my top six. I, I um, didn't even think about that at the time. And now, yeah. I'm, now I'm processing that. This is one of the more interesting lists that we've done. Yeah. And, if, and so um, that just means all of you out there will just have to tune in next week or whenever we get the next part out. Hopefully it'll be next week. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, unless you have anything else to add, I'll, I'll send us out. Uh, oh, another great song on show no mercy okay is metal storm face the slayer that okay, thing yeah that part yeah blew blew me away when i first heard it because i just thought yeah try and say like i i had at the time like a bunch of kids giving me shit for being into metal and stuff and they'd always be like oh rock and metal is stupid and talentless blah, blah, blah. right and i like came in the next day blasting it and i was like all right, play this, you know? <laughs> that's that's literally, I used to to really get bummed out. I had some friends that would make um, the claim that death metal, um, you didn't have to have any talent to play death metal. And I would always show them Bullshit. that. I would always show them that video of Cannibal Corpse doing frantic disembowelment in the studio. And you can't even <laughs> yeah. follow their fucking fingers. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah no talent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But that's for another one when we do Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> awesome. Um, so yeah, so that wraps up um, ha- uh, the first half of our Slayer uh, Cranked and Ranked. Um, thanks for listening and or watching. Um, if you're on YouTube, you know, comment down below and shit. And uh, go uh, go subscribe to uh, Eddie Sparks' uh, channel on YouTube. And, and uh, if, if you haven't subscribed to mine, old head, do that as well. So... Um, we will we will see you all next time for the for the bottom half or the I guess you could say the top half the top half of Slayer <laughs> and so without further ado take us out Eddie later dude.